Well, this morning we are back in Galatians 5. We're going to be looking at Galatians 5, 13 through 15. So go ahead and turn there. It's a text that, uh, honestly, I have been looking forward to um, preaching for months, um, even as getting into Galatians. I've been looking forward to this. It is a wonderful reminder to us of what we are called to, what we are set free to be. And one of the blessings of the text today is that it puts flesh on Paul's statement that he reiterates throughout you were called to freedom. So let's get into the text and work through it. If you're able to stand, please do so and follow along as I read Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for your word. Lord, we come to you today humbled by this text. And Lord, I ask you to do a supernatural work in us. That this text would truly reflect who we are. That we truly would be people who love the way that you have called us to love, but even more the way you have shown us love. That you would help us and work in us for your glory in that, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Verse 13, you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You were called to freedom, brothers. Now, that should be understood and read as brothers and sisters. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. This is everyone who is in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are called to freedom. I mentioned a few weeks ago how freedom really is freedom. If you are truly in Christ, you are free. You can you can do whatever you want. Why? Because your debt really is paid. Your debt being paid is not contingent on what you do in the future. It's contingent on what Jesus did in the past. Your debt is paid. There is therefore now no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Ever. Not for your past sin and not for your future sins. You're really free. But I mentioned that we really want to be cautious there. Because what evidence is there that you are in Christ if you're not living for Christ? When Christ sets us free, He really does set us free. But that freedom does something. 
It frees us from living for ourselves. Doing what, whatever we want is living for ourselves, and Christ freed us from that. So there's a form, there's a shape to our freedom. Paul addresses that here. What does he say? Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, again, guys, he says that because you could. I think both here and in Romans 6, he knows that at least some will be tempted to that end. That if we really begin to understand how gracious God is, and His grace is far more gracious than you and I can comprehend. And if we, if we begin to wrestle and understand how gracious He really is, we might be tempted to just live however we want. But He warns us here, that's a dangerous way to live. And Paul's pointing out the paradox of our freedom in this text. If we are in Christ, if we are His, if we're saved, then our freedom sort of means slavery. We're freed from sin and death and from living for ourselves now, which is a very, very good thing. And now we are bound to Christ, which is a very, very, very good thing. And that looks like something Paul's saying. That being bound to Jesus, being free and now bound to Christ, free in Christ, looks like something. What does it look like? It looks like love. That's what it looks like to be bound to Christ. It always looks like love to be a servant of Jesus. Always. So Paul's saying, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. This is a big deal. We are freed to serve others. We're free to be servants. We're free to serve others. And that service of others is done through love. So we're, 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 not, we're not supposed to begrudge the serving. We should delight in serving other people. Why? Because it's what Jesus is like. He came not to be served, but to serve. So Paul's saying here, serve one another through love. Our value of gospel community is a good reminder here. It says this, Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. As people deeply loved by God and adopted into his family, we commit ourselves to engaging with one another with purposeful love that reflects the costly, sacrificial love that God showed us when Jesus died for our sins. We do so by joyfully serving one another, sharing our resources with one another as needs arise, actively using our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body, 
showing hospitality to one another as well as those outside the church, and ultimately choosing to have the same humility of mind as Christ as described in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, considering others better than ourselves. That this is what Christ freed us to be. How we are freed to live. Jesus didn't lie. Do you believe that? Jesus didn't lie? And if He didn't lie, then His words are true. This is how people will know that you're a disciple of Jesus by how you love. This is how. And so I want to ask you to consider this before we move to the next two verses. How does your life reflect the love of Jesus? Do others see in you a love, a genuine love for people? A love to serve other people? Do they recognize love or are you more prone to argue and debate? We're going to see in this text how Paul attributes that very thing of arguing and debating to the flesh and not to love. Redemption frees people to pursue goodness so that they serve others with gladness. We love people. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Memorize this verse. Memorize it. The whole law is fulfilled or the whole law is summed up in one word. Now, what does Paul mean here? Because getting to this point in chapter 5, he has said that we don't have any obligation to the law. So, what does this mean? And is he contradicting himself now that he's saying the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, love your neighbor as yourself? Well, not at all. He's not contradicting himself. He's saying something wonderful here. Scott McKnight puts it, if you live in the Spirit, he writes to them in chapter 5, and living in love is far better than the law because it is the fulfillment of the law. That's what he says here in verse 14. And so, if you want to know if you're fulfilling the law, Paul and Jesus says, are you loving other people well? Remember, Jesus says this too, not just, not just that, that, that others will know that you're His people by how you love one another, but when He's asked about the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, 
and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That's what Paul's saying here in Galatians. He's just echoing the words of Jesus. So do you understand what Jesus and Paul are saying? Paul explains it really well in Romans 10, verses 8 through 10, where he writes this, Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law for the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. You see what he's saying? Love doesn't do wrong to someone. Love doesn't do wrong to someone. Why? Because love says, I'm glad that good thing happened to you. I'm so glad you have that. What a blessing for you. So Jesus, and now Paul says, love fulfills the whole law. Love for God first and foremost, but that love, if it is true, will flow horizontally. If we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul, and all of our mind, then we will love others horizontally. Paul's showing in Romans 10 that believing the gospel is the real doing of the law. That those who are free from the law because of the gospel of Jesus, the work that Christ accomplished for us, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, will love others. We're going to see that more and more in the next sections, right? The fruit of the Spirit includes love. Love is one of the things that the Spirit produces in the believer's life. Verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Now, we, we don't know what is happening specifically here in Galatia. We don't know what the biting and devouring looks like. We know some things about it, but we don't know specifically what the biting and devouring looks like. But we know Paul is warning here. This is what it looks like to live in the flesh. Biting, devouring, fighting, separating. And the result of it is consuming one another. In other words, Paul's saying it destroys the church. To be a people who bite and devour and fight and separate destroys the church. And definitely destroys the witness of the church. 
And so I want to comment here, and I really want to encourage us in this, because I think it's so important for us today. I cannot tell you how much I think the church needs to hear and embrace this verse. I've said this before, but for people, for church people who are mad about cancel culture, my goodness, we have professionalized cancel culture for years and years. And I mean, I just had a Facebook memory come up of something I posted, I think it was 11 years ago now, of where we were canceling Starbucks because of red cups. And they hated Jesus and Christmas because their cups were red and didn't say, fall on your knees and believe in Jesus. Like, I was just, and we still do it today. And honestly, for me, that's not consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, right now, we have to cancel Chick-fil-A because they hired for a position that we, we don't agree with, supposedly. And that's just one of many things that we're supposed to cancel right now. And guys, I'm just, I just want to be honest with you. It feels like we Christians find more joy in canceling people and talking about people than we do in Christ himself. Like we're, we're just scouring the world for things to boycott. And that's what we're about as Christians now. But the law is fulfilled by how we love by how we love. And so I want to ask you to consider the next time that you're asked or tempted to cancel something, ask yourself, is that how I fell in love with Jesus? Is that kind of church thing how I fell in love with Jesus? Is that how I was awakened to the fact that Jesus loves me just the way that I am? Is that how my eyes were opened to his grace and mercy? Paul is saying that freedom must not be equated with dissension and arguing because that would tear the church apart. And we have to ask ourselves, what does the world think of when they think of the church today? What do the people we know think of when they think Christian? And before you're tempted to say, well, the church does, I mean, the world doesn't like the church. Pause and read church history. Because you can read Roman writing from the early church and their awe. I mean, absolutely in awe of how the church loved the least of these. So pause before you jump to, a, to an answer. What does the world think about the church? What do the people we know, what do, what do the people I know think of when they think Christian? We are called to be a community of people that loves each other and loves our neighbor. 
And so I want to ask you, how well are you loving those in this room? That's gospel community, right? Gospel community is how we love one another in the body of Christ. We're first loving the body of Christ well, counting those around us here in this room as more significant than ourselves. Each and every one of them. I mean, you think of the fact that the Lord has brought this group of people together. And in what way would we ever love each other outside of Jesus? That, that's not an insult. We're just so different. I mean, if, if, you, if you get to know the people in this room, I mean, we're so different. We don't like the same sports. We don't like the same, whatever it is. We're different. But Jesus has brought us together and, and no matter what our preferences are, we're called to love one another and count each and every one of us in this room as more significant than I myself am. The church, no matter what our background was, gives us a new community and a new identity. It is a glorious gift of the gospel. We're a chosen race. We are a chosen race, a community of the redeemed, the body of Christ. In their book, Everyday Church, Steve Timmis and Tim Chester write this. I love this. The Christian community demonstrates the effectiveness of the gospel. We are the living proof that the gospel is not an empty word, but a powerful word that takes men and women who are lovers of self and transforms them by grace through the Spirit into people who love God and others. We are the living proof that the death of Jesus was not just a vain expression of God's love, but an effective death that achieved the salvation of a people who now love one another sincerely from a pure heart. That's what the gospel does. And if it's not happening, then we are the obstacle to the gospel. We're the stumbling block to it. It's what love should look like within the body of Christ. But we're also called to fulfill the law by living out our freedom, loving our neighbor. That's what Paul is saying here in the text. And Paul gives such a wonderful and helpful and specific description of that in Romans 12, verses 8 through 21. Listen, listen as I read. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible." So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so let's look at the specifics that Paul gives here in the text. Within the church, love looks like this. Genuineness. Hating what is evil and holding fast to what is good. Brotherly affection. Outdoing one another and showing honor. I would ask you, isn't that a great picture of what it looks like to count others as more significant than yourself? Better than yourself? Outdo them in showing honor? Contribute to the needs of brothers and sisters in Christ. Show hospitality. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. That's all descriptions of what it ought to be like in the body of Christ. But what about those outside the church? How are we to love and, and, and show that we're followers of Jesus with those who are outside of the church? He gives us examples. Bless those who persecute you. To be clear, he says, bless and do not curse. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give them something to drink. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's a description of loving your neighbor as yourself. That's love. It is love that says we believe in Jesus and he has freed us from sin and death. He's freed us to love you because he loved us first. He loved us in our sin. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he says, follow me. He calls us, and not just calls us, he frees us to live like him. Paul says, don't use that freedom to gratify the desires of your flesh. Don't do that. Serve one another through love. That's the gospel, and that's what it says and does. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper together. We believe in Jesus, and he has freed us from sin and death. That's exactly what we rehearse each and every time we take the bread and the cup. The bread representing his body that was broken for us. The cup representing his blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. That in our sinfulness, 
God looked on us and said, I love you, and I'm going to prove it. I'm going to demonstrate my love for you in that my son is going to die for your sin. And when he says, come and follow me, he says, come and follow me in that. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray. Father, we need you. We need, I need you, Lord. I'm so prone to selfishness. I'm so prone to love in a way that is reflective of how I'm going to be loved back. I'm so prone to do things not based on the love that you show the world, but on how I feel. Father, help us. Help us to be a people who truly love you. And in our love for you, transform us. You promise us that that will happen. You promise us that a fruit of your spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. We're desperate for that, Lord. We want to be a people, your church, that reflects to the world the kind of love that you have for them. So help us, Lord. Help us to reflect you, your grace, your kindness, your mercy, and your love. And be glorified in us in that word. Give us the wisdom to confess where we're wrong in this. Give us the strength to love even when others aren't. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.